Hello and welcome to In the Spotlight with Quo Circa, the definitive podcast on digital disruption in the print industry. I'm Luella Fernandez, Director of Quo Circa, and today I'm joined by Mark Ash, Chief Revenue Officer at Conica Minolta UK. So welcome, Mark. It's great to have you here today. Thanks, Luella, and lo- really lovely to be here as well. So, um, so maybe we could start with um, just learning a bit more about your role at um, Conica Minolta. I know you, you joined recently, so it'd be great to also hear a bit about your career history before you joined as well. So thank you. So I've joined Conica and the role I'm in at the moment of Chief Revenue Officer for me is a really pivotal role. It's got sales, service and marketing. Or actually, if you follow the customer journey, it's marketing, sales and service. So really, it's being put in place to deliver on all on all elements of the customer journey. Before you join Conor McNulta, can you give a bit of insight into your your kind of career to date, your experience in the print industry? I can do, and that's going to that's going to that's going to feel uh, that's going to make me feel tremendously old. So I've been in the the technology industry now for about two and a half decades, and I've had a number of different roles from operational, from sales, from service, uh, marketing. I think the, the pivotal roles for me over the last few years, I had the pleasure of leading the Samsung business for the UK and Ireland after a long stint in many roles in Xerox. I also, prior to that, worked for an IT distributor, working with many different print brands. Samsung, as you well know, the print business was acquired by HP. So I had some time spent with HP learning really about the, the differences in, in culture and how that organization was run versus Samsung. And then I spent some time with Alto Digital prior to their acquisition by Xerox. So I I got to learn what life was like from a partner perspective and now clearly in Conica. So it's been fascinating for me having worked for multiple manufacturers, having worked for a distributor and a reseller, because aside from being an end user, I've now got every different component within the, uh, the value chain. Yeah, so it's great. You've got some great experience. And I guess joining Conica Minolta in, in this um, the past year has been quite interesting for you. And we've seen a lot of changes with you know how OEMs have been changing their strategy to evolve um, as a result of the pandemic. So, you know, could you maybe give some insight into how the pandemic has affected Conica Minolta and how you're changing your strategy to, to better serve your customers? It's, it's a really interesting question. And actually, for me, our, our strategy, our connected workplace strategy, was in place prior to the pandemic hitting. All recent events and with the COVID pandemic have done, they've simply seen us just push down hard on the accelerator. And we had already actioned significant transformation, both within the UK and globally, restructuring the business to better uh, deliver on the needs of our customers. But it's probably worth pointing out The ability to pivot, it's not new to us. We've done it before when we discontinued our camera business, and that was almost a decade and a half ago that we made that announcement. So ultimately, Luella, it's really a balancing act between having local control whilst having the economies and the scale that come from being part of the wider global Conica Minolta family. And that scale really enables us to truly deliver on the global offerings to those that require it. But if we, if we look locally, locally, our focus is to build on our core business of managed print. It's to harness the skill sets from our process flows acquisition, deliver value to our customers by expanding upon managed print services offerings. And that could be managed content, managed video solution services or cloud-based or infrastructure services. But the key there is the management of the service. And also, um, it's really helping simplify things for our customers we've been working to rationalize our portfolio. The key thing is to ensure that our attention is not fragmented 
whilst we still give our customers choice. And actually, one of the things I'm really, really passionate about is that transformation, it has to take place internally as well as externally. There's far too many manufacturers that are not aligned in this way and they don't practice what they preach. And the reason for this is if you think about the print business, it, many print businesses have evolved over decades and in product silos as part of a larger corporate or chain. And actually, um, to address it, we've been working incredibly hard, mainly internally, to remove the barriers between the external and the internal data to ensure our people and our customers have the same view. They just have a tailored dashboard showing them the bespoke views of what they need, be it a Power BI or an intuitive dashboard. And, and actually the experience now that our, our salespeople and our back office processes are enjoying, we've got double digit thousands of customers already doing it. So in, in summary, for me, I think this change in our operating model, it allows to serve customers how they want to be served. Because all COVID's done for us, it's just highlighted that work is something you do, not somewhere you go. So it's just critical that we give customers the experience they want, be it self-serve, assisted serve, or actually full-blown VIP support. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point you mentioned around, um, you know, traditional industry and the, I guess, the the traditional culture that's embedded in, in you know, many sort of traditional manufacturers and how, you know, it sounds like Konica Minolta is really leveraging the data that it's collecting from its customers and utilizing that across its business. And I think, you know, data is absolutely key to <clears throat> innovation and helping sort of businesses of all kinds, um, you know, really survive and thrive following the pandemic. So it's great to hear how, how Konica Minolta are really kind of leveraging that, that data capability. So just picking up on that from, from the pandemic, so obviously there's been a you know, huge shift to remote working and, it's really something that we're seeing has created a lot of opportunity, but also challenges about around security, around remote working. So, you know, how is Konica Minolta and its channel partners helping customers in, in that, you know, hybrid workspace? Well, Satya Nadella famously said, we've seen two years of digital transformation in two months. And as a Microsoft Gold partner, we completely agree with that statement. I think one of the biggest areas that's become incredibly important is the need to help companies deal with the peaks and the troughs associated with COVID. So cost management's become critical to manage the economic headwinds and many businesses have found that challenging to navigate. So irrespective of remote workers or workers in the office, one day you have limited customers to serve and the next day you're over capacity and out of stock, something I know well from my local brewery visit recently. We've helped organizations cope with this by opening our business outsource division in Sofia to them. It's an incredible operation. It's perfectly positioned to support our customers and partners during COVID times. And we've got flexible contracts there from as little as one dedicated FTE with one month's cancellation period after initial 90 days, but we can scale this up. But, and, and, and actually that's the service that we use ourselves in sales service and operations. But actually if we, if we say, uh, let's look at a company already that's not going to outsource any workers and we look at remote working. As, as you've mentioned, it's become the new normal for us. Typically, we'd be together in a studio. We're not. We're, we're talking virtually today. So actually, virtual team members has become a common concept and geographical proximity is no longer a necessity. So with remote working, we enable teams, individuals and entire operations to work and collaborate from anywhere securely through range of solutions, services for managed infrastructure services or digital workplaces and digital operations. I felt this myself when I joined the business. 
it was the most seamless onboarding process I've ever experienced um, working from multiple manufacturers as I mentioned earlier. I was onboarded near enough instantaneously. Everything was completed electronically online. Um, my technology was delivered through to me, set up and configured. So before day one, I was set up, ready to go. And we can do that for customers as well. It doesn't matter if it's a managed uh, Microsoft 365 environment, managed cloud environment, or even if it's just managed VPN access or digital signatures, secure content management, we can do it however it needs to be done. The key is that it's modular and fits the customer. And then the second point of your question about security, it's no good having a solution, but by definition, a solution solves a problem if it's not secure. So all of our IT solutions and services are secure by design rather than being a dedicated security service wraparound. We know the risks. We know the importance of it. All of these solutions and services are core elements of our operation. And it doesn't matter if you look at the IT infrastructure, if it's proactive remote monitoring or management, backup recovery, managed firewall, or actually if you drill down into the digital workplace, and you can talk about encrypted content management, uh, password management, data compliance, or digital operations and processes. So I think the key thing is that whichever element you look at, security is there as a default. And even now with our security, we're taking technology to market. Um, again, conscious not to make a product pitch, but we've got devices, uh, Workplace Hub, which have secure access VPN to a customer network, or to go a bit deeper, we've got a Workplace One offering, which has a full access to the Office 365 experience via either our own data center or a cloud-based offering. So I think whichever way you look at it, it's a modular-based service with security at its core. Yeah, so cloud adoption has obviously um, rapidly increased over the past year, and you mentioned some of the cloud services that you're um, offering, you know, more on an IT basis, I guess, um, for example, Microsoft and also your Workplace um, Hub platform. Um, we've seen a huge um, adoption of cloud printing and it's you know huge momentum really over the past year as organizations are looking to drive more efficiencies around that traditional print infrastructure. So um, yeah, I'm curious what Konica Minolta has been doing in terms of the cloud printing aspect and uh, you know if there's any particular strategies that you're focusing on for the coming year in that space. It's interesting when we talk about the cloud because there's so many people that don't realise how pervasive cloud is in our lives from, from Netflix to, to Spotify. Um, but actually, we've been a leading provider of cloud print now for some time. What we've really seen, though, Luella, is the move away from on-premise products. So we've got several ways in which we support our customers. It doesn't matter if it's a public, a private, or a, a hybrid cloud offer. The key thing is that because we've got history of doing it uh, ourselves on premise and now we've we've heavily invested into the cloud, we can provide you connections via Chrome, uh, Chrome Enterprise. We can use um, the Mopia Print Alliance, Ysoft, HCP uh, or, or our own BizHub products. But, but actually, the, the, the biggest change we've seen recently is that multiple end users have been driving cloud print adoption and they've been predefining HCP as a solution in the tenders, including some of the largest public sector organizations in the whole of the UK. And what that means is that cloud, which is rapidly becoming mainstream of in IT operations, cloud print strategy is becoming business as usual. 
And uh, I, I know because you're uh, uh, because of the role you're in, you would have been aware of the Everyone Print Hybrid Cloud platform that we that we publicly uh, announced last week. The ongoing COVID nineteen pandemic really has just acted as a catalyst for that for that hybrid work environment. And and we know that by the end of 2021, most organizations and enterprises will have a mechanism in place to shift to cloud-centric infrastructure and applications far faster than before. The, the, the only thing I wanted to point out, and, I, and I've said the same thing now for, for over a decade, is that print and cloud print, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's just a wider part of the conversation that we talked about. Often print and cloud prints neglected and, and typically can fall outside the company's strategies, in this case, a, a cloud first strategy. I mean, for cloud print, the benefits uh, are there that exist in, in every other part of the business. It doesn't matter if it's low administration costs, low investment costs, high flexibility, high scalability. We talked earlier about security or workload relief for staff. The key thing is understanding what the customer wants and delivering on it. If they need on-premise, we can give them on-premise. If it needs to be fully hosted in the cloud, we can do it in the cloud. The technology we've got means you don't need any local infrastructure anymore. They only need internet access. They don't even need a, a VPN. So for me, all customers, whether they're using public or private cloud services, just need to be focused on um, running their business. We can deliver everything else that they need for them. Yeah, no, I you know, totally agree. I think cloud um, is such a diverse market now, particularly on the print side, you know, in terms of private hybrid and public cloud offerings. And I think it's very much a decision based on, you know, what business outcomes does shifting from an on-prem environment to a cloud um, print environment really offer. And I think, yeah, you're absolutely right in that vendors like Conic Minolta need to be able to have a, a broad range of capabilities to, to support the customers wherever they are on, on that cloud journey. And I know the Everyone Print partnership um, provides that hybrid platform to help them support the transition. So that brings me on to, to the, the next point really is around um, the channel, because we're seeing that although there is huge momentum in the um, cloud printing market, one of the, the barriers to growth is um, the channel in terms of, not that they're necessarily resistant to, to moving to the cloud, but it obviously creates um, a completely different revenue model and business model for them compared to a traditional approach. So what challenges are you seeing for channel partners today in general and are, how are you sort of helping them um, make that transition faster? That's a great question. I think really that there's, there's two challenges facing partners um, and we typically support with both. I think the first one is skill set and then the second is mindset. The market, as I mentioned, it's moving away from selling on-premise products to selling centrally hosted services. Now, if you're a partner, um, the investment required to set up that centrally hosted services can be a barrier to entry. Um, the reality is we can accommodate both. And that gives the partners and their customers with choice and no need to compromise because they can leverage our investments. Where we've really improved our offering is to upskill and upscale our, our channel partner offering as well as our direct offering and make sure that we support partners when they come across this opportunity. 
Now, historically, this type of skill set was a barrier to entry because typically it would be, well, you can't offer that solution uh, as a partner unless you've got the, the significant scale or you're part of a, of a wider group or systems integrator. Um, and, and it was just a preserve of manufacturers. However, the actual adoption of cloud itself has, mean, has made it easier to leverage the investments that we've made and therefore make them accessible to partners. And, and, and part of this is just part of uh, our, our wider uh, partner strategy. And, and I think actually I would say to the channel partners now that are thinking of making the transition, CloudPrint is a basket opener for many partners. It's typically the first step on a journey of discovery. Only weeks ago, we were discussing providing a fully based video analytics platform via a partner into their client base. And needless to say, the market appetite for this type of solution is phenomenal. It doesn't matter if it's COVID sensing thermal cameras uh, through to human traffic flows, entry systems into your local, into your local co-op, your local uh, M&S, uh, AMPR traffic cameras, or, or even sensing of bovine flu or bizarrely COVID in a dairy herd. That conversation around cloud and cloud-based video analytics only happened because the customer uh, the customer was involved and engaged with the cloud print as a concept. So for me, it's a basket opener that can help customers and our partners get on the, the journey to, to a cloud-based infrastructure. That's really interesting because, um, as you say, cloud is an enabler for broader, you know, I guess, digital transformation mm-hmm. initiatives as well. And um, we've just, we're working on a smart uh, buildings uh, research report, which is looking at some of that IoT technology that you mentioned, actually, in terms of measuring occupancy levels, um, looking at environmental sensors and so on. And something our research picks up again and again is that most customers are looking for um, adjacent services beyond NPS. And obviously, NPS is quite commoditized and you know very mature now. And we're seeing that the channel is also looking for opportunities beyond traditional NPS. Um, in the form of workplace services. So I know Konica Minolta is, like you just mentioned, is active in a lot of areas. So how do you see that demand changing over the past year and how is it um, adapting to, to focus its services beyond that you know, traditional MPS offering? I nearly had an Alex Tatham moment there. I was looking at your uh, your previous your previous podcast of Alex, and I nearly said it, it's exploded, but I couldn't I couldn't do it ju- I couldn't do it justice in the full Alex. It really has exploded. That acceleration and uh, the digitization of cloud, the consumerization of the workplace, has led to the connected workplace becoming a reality. And it's interesting you talked about smart cities. If we look at just at the digital transformation market in Europe alone, uh, it's estimated to be $470 billion with a CAGR of 16.5%. What we firmly believe at Conica Minolta is that if you have a strong reputation for selling managed print, either as a manufacturer or as a partner, you can leverage this trust to become a managed service provider. And ultimately, if you do that, you'll secure your future. I just touched on we're working with partners to enable them to do that. Uh, in fact, those who are resistant to doing this, actually, they tend to exit the market via acquisition, whereas the larger acquiring partners, they're absolutely focused on expanding their managed services products with their contracted customer base. Make no mistake, the largest managed print partners in the industry, if you look at the their websites now, you look at how they're rebranding themselves as remote working companies, remote services company, managed service products. So I think ultimately, at the smaller end of the market, it's a, it's a Darwinian process. But we, we talked earlier about the importance of cloud. But if you think in your own personal life, how many subscription-based services you have? 
I'm heavily into sports and I, I think I have six subscriptions based sports services alone on top of the household ones we'd all have in, in, in Netflix and Spotify and Deezer. Um, and if you take that into the business place, uh, so into the workplace, subscription-based services, they make it easier for customers to transition to a consumption-based model. Because actually all you're doing is you're packaging what they need in a monthly or quarterly-based package. We're heavily working now around creating those bundled around customer requirements. And you and I talked recently about acronyms and how we can get lost in, the, in, in translation. The reality is when you take a lot of the confusing terminology aside, what customers want uh, are really four or five things. They want mobility. They want flexibility, efficiency, sustainability. They want analytics and intelligence. They want productivity, collaboration, and it has to be secure and compliant. And actually, that's the key challenge. The key challenge for us is when you bundle these together, you have to make sure you're compliant with the relevant legislation. And that differs by geography, then the solution type. Then you need to make sure the technology that's used to deploy it, to maintain it, and to build the various different subcomponents works in totality. And then when you put home workers in the mix, many of these solutions were designed to be run centrally from offices, and they now need to be utilised remotely, which can pr uh, pr prove challenging. I think everyone uh, everyone raises their hands and says thank you that um, for those that have got children that they're back in school because bandwidth has become uh, uh, a new entry on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, and actually, it, it doesn't matter if you sell directly to the end user or via a partner. The, the challenges around that digital maturity are the same. I think for us, repurposing our wider sales force and upskilling them to sell growth technologies is actually relatively easy because we have dedicated solutions in our business to call upon. And what we do is we use the relationships that have been built on trust and contracted typically over, over decades. We offer a 360 degree digital assessment we use business analytics tools, such as those provided by uh, Next Agenda, a, a company we acquired, and we really help map out the customer's data. Data is the new oil, but actually it needs to flow. And by mapping out and visualizing customers' business processes, you can use, uh, you can use that to help them improve. We offer, for those customers that want to understand it a bit better, we offer a dashboard in a day. All that does is that identifies their pain points with minimum input, and then if they want, we can build it out. And actually, we've been doing this for, for decades. I, I, I was only reflecting yesterday that Process Flows, the, the UK business that we bought in IT services, is, is over 33 years old. Uh, all covered in the States is a, is a business turning over hundreds of millions of dollars. And again, it's another company we've brought into the fold. We don't bring them in there just to add to the top line. We bring them in them because it helps us to scale the wider organization and then cross the bridge from the managed print world into the managed service world. Yeah, no, that's, I think the, the two things that I really picked up there were, you know, food, shelter and higher bandwidth are absolutely key going forward. Um, for encouraging people. The gods to of bandwidth have blessed us today, Luella. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think, again, you know, picking up on that point around um, data being a key business asset and how you actually utilize that to help your customers drive better digital transformation across their business processes. I think um, a lot of traditional manufacturers still haven't really unlocked the opportunity around analytics. And I think it's great that you've got that, you know, in-house, in but also you're obviously working with partners such as Intuitive there. 
And um, also the other thing you sort of mentioned um, around um, partnerships and Quocerca has often talked about this kind of broader open ecosystem. So we talked about smart buildings, sustainability, security, and so on. And, you know, ultimately, even though a company like Konica Minolta can innovate um, internally with its technology and its business models, I think there's also a huge opportunity to work with, you know, major IT companies, whether it's Microsoft, AWS, Google. And I know um, Konica Minolta have made quite a few acquisitions, announced, you know, various partnerships over the past few years. So what is the strategy going forward in terms of working, you know, developing more strategic alliances outside of print, um, just to really address some of these opportunities we've discussed earlier? And, and, uh, and to do that, I'm going to delve in the past. It was eight years ago that, that you and I and, uh, and Paul Burkett, we were talking around um, the connected workplace. One of the big challenges is that when you try and deliver it yourself, intrinsically, uh, if you try and do everything yourself in the connected workplace, it's an oxymoron. And if we talk about the Internet of Things and smart cities, the whole point is that there's an open ecosystem that connects with each other. So for us in the UK and in many other countries, we absolutely have to increase the number of partners that we work with and also the breadth. Yes, by doing that, you can reduce your cost to serve, which, again, is, is critical, uh, particularly in these challenging COVID times. But ultimately, to really add that value and be a, a, a manufacturer who engages with customers, we have to leverage um, what partners can offer. Uh, we will always have a direct sales force, and that is a, an absolute luxury. And some of our, our customers, typically the global customers, will want to transact that way. But we have to have an effective number of partners selling across the connected workplace. And also, we need to be more outwardly focused. So we need to become comfortable with selling products that don't have our logo on it. So you, you, uh, you mentioned uh, Microsoft there, amongst others. If we're positioning ourselves as the system integrator of things to intelligently connect people or places technology, then we can leverage the investments we've made with Microsoft to our partners. We can provide them with that modular system that I referred to earlier. So we can give them a multifaceted modular offering. They can pick and choose what they need to deliver value to their customer bases. And actually, the first stage of this program has been successful now. We've been adding new partnerships in our core uh, print business, but very much with an eye on where we're looking to expand with workplace services and really onboarding a number of those partners from the top 500 UK technology resellers. And that complements those, the, the many that have been working with, with process flows uh, for over three decades. Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned earlier around uh, process flows, um, the all covered acquisition. And, you know, I think they were really sort of early doors for Konica Minolta to really adapt its, you know, business model beyond print. And it's probably one of the first to actually look at those areas. And I think IT services is, you know, absolutely key to, to those partnerships such as Microsoft and, and Google and, and so on. So um, it's great to hear. So based on that, really, what do you think is next for the print industry as a whole? I know we've touched on some of the challenges that the industry as a whole does face, but what do you think is next for the print industry? And, you know, what's next for Konica Minolta? Uh, an equally uh, an equally inspiring and terrifying question in, in equal measure, Luella. Um, uh, Trudeau, I think it was, he said at Davos, the, the pace of change has never been this fast, yet it will never be this slow again, which is actually an equally profound, uh, exciting and, and terrifying statement as you're ever likely going to hear because none of us know what is next. But if you take a, a step back, 
in the 60s, the term people, process and technology was coined. And they're really, for me, the only three things that you can change uh, in a business. And to do this effectively, though, you need access to data. And data moving forward will be our guiding principle. I described it earlier uh, as as the, the new oil, and I firmly believe in that. Access to data and usable data, typically when it's visualized with analytics, is going to become incredibly important both to our customers and ourselves. So we're going to work uh, on helping envision the value of that data to our clients to help and address the client's desire to implement really fact-based decision-making environments and use RPA and intelligent information really as the key areas for us to focus on. Our industry, there's no denying it, it's being shaped by the macro factors outside of our control. We've only just seen this uh, uh, amplified by COVID-19. So moving forward, we need to understand that our customers, they're they're all at different stages of the post-lockdown recovery. And and therefore, the value we can give to our customer, we can't be prescriptive. It's it's not one size fits all. It differs between where they are uh, in the sector and also the lines of business within each individual company. Yeah, and I think, like you say, it's it's impossible to, to predict um, what's coming next for the industry. But I think there are, you know, examples of potential recovery um, coming up in certain economies. And I think those manufacturers that are best um, positioned to respond in an agile way to the changes that have happened over the past year, you know, remote working, digitization, developing new products and services, you know, the time is now to actually like you say, leverage data to better understand your customers and your your company and your products and how they're being used. So, you know, I think that's that's you know a great opportunity for companies like Conica and Minolta to really, um, you know, thrive going forward. Um, and you know, in terms of you evolving your service offerings, are you going to be focusing more on IT services on other areas, or is it pretty much dependent again on you know? customer needs um i think the answer is yes and yes uh we're, we're building if you can imagine if you if you if you visualize we our core business is on an island and that and that island is the print island and then our customers now they don't live on that island they live in uh, on another island we've got to build a bridge and we need to take our customers on our on and all partners and and help them on a journey really into that connected workplace so the value that we offer is different depending on who you are. And we work with a number of startup companies who are digital natives. They're digital from the ground up, they're digital by design. And actually the support in which we offer them wouldn't be to delve into their legacy processes and understand how we analyze them and use uh, visual analytics and consultancy to take them forward because they're already there. It might be that they need to scale that business up rapidly. So if I think of a customer recently, um, they were an Airbnb uh, key holder. And actually, their challenge was Airbnbs were put on lockdown in COVID for all bar key workers. So their business overnight uh, had to scale back by having an outsourced offering with flexibility uh, of ninety, sorry, of 30 days after the initial 90-day period. It just means they can scale back their workforce. Conversely, now uh, foreign travel with the, uh, the red, amber, green list gets you know, variable. You've seen only yesterday the hordes of people flying back uh, desperately from Portugal the Airbnb market has exploded within country. So now they need more people and they need more people fast and we've got the ability to, to scale that up for them. 
So I think the the value, uh, and, and indeed, I remember Joe Hamani uh, from West Coast uh, saying this to me. He said, value is different depending on who you are. It's not one size. Yeah, and I think that's a great, great point to end, really. It's not a one size fits all for, for the print industry. And actually, you know, I really like that analogy of the print island and how you, you know, help businesses travel over that bridge and connect to the broader digital ecosystem. And I think um, that's really the challenge and the opportunity for the print industry going forward. So, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to give us an update on Konica Minolta and its strategy. And just on a final note, you mentioned the the green amber list there. So, um, you know, obviously, have you got any plans considering the situation at the moment to travel anywhere once um, the, uh, <laughs> I've got I've got many plans. I think that at the moment they're more dreams and, and visions rather than plans. The, the firm one we're 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 heading to Wales with the family, and uh, if, if I look at social media, I think the rest of the world or the rest of the UK has got that idea as well, Luella. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're just learning to discover everything that's, <laughs> you know on our doorstep or within a couple of hours' drive. So. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Well, thanks again um, very much for for joining me today. It's been really great to hear the insight. Um, on the future of Conica Minolta. And I think, you know, what's really come through is, you know, focus on data analytics, understanding your customer, um, but also looking at these adjacent workplace services. So, you know, maybe we can have another update um, towards the end of the year and, and see how things are going. But thanks again. I'd, for I'd look forward to that. And thanks very much for the invite. So thank you for joining this episode of In the Spotlight with Coiserka. For more information, please go to coiserka.com and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is the final episode of season one. We'll be back in September with season two. So thank you again to all our guests who participated in this series and we look forward to seeing you in September.